And if you have your Bibles, take them out. We're in 2 Corinthians, and we continue walking through that letter that Paul wrote to that church, his probably third or fourth letter, depending upon how you label them, but we have two of them in our Bible. And we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 today. And that means this week and next week we get to talk about money, about giving. I'm calling this graceful giving because I, I, I think it's an amazing passage. But, but talking about money makes many people uncomfortable. So everyone just go ahead and get out your pocketbook. No. <laughs> That's why, right? It's like, oh, start talking about money and they're going to talk about how you need to give money to me. How you need to give money to God. What's on you. And I want to talk to you about what the Bible actually says about giving today. And, and why it makes us uncomfortable is it goes to motive. I, I think people just want your money for themselves or give me what you have. Even when it's done rightly, so often, so often I see it, right? It's like, oh, if you give money, we'll, we'll send you a book or send you a CD for, for to tell you you've done a good thing. Is that okay? Like, what's, what's going on with giving? So many times it's sort of this underlying thing where people have this value system about your worthiness and how much you have and, and, and how much should you give and what does it look like? And, and so it's helpful for us not to hear opinion, but to say, hey, this next section of the Bible, these two chapters, longest exhortation, discussion in the New Testament about giving. So I want to know, what, what does the Bible say about what's up? You know, we're, we're in one of those key chapters. This week and next week, then, we'll talk about how to think about your resources, our resources as a church, especially around giving. And, but I hope you can digest this really practical section with us this week and next week. So I want to make sure you hear the bottom line up front. This is really important to frame it. I'm going to make people mad. It's okay. You are not required to give. You are not required. There is no commandment we are going to see in the scripture this morning to the New Testament Christian. There is no New Testament tithe. You say, well, I've got to give 10%. You do not have to give 10% of your money to the church or to anything. There is not a statement to you in the Bible. Man, if you, not what has God done for you, but what are you going to do for God? You're going down the wrong path. Okay, I, just, I want you to see it from the Bible, not from me and my, my perspective, but, but there is an Old Testament tithe that was not 10%, it was 23 and a third percent. They had two tithes and then another tithe you do every three years. You gave that money, it was your taxes. New Testament giving is not taxes. So uh, really important as we begin to see what Paul's going to talk about, that, that his perspective, as he speaks today, I want you to see it. I want you to see it in the text. He is not requiring them to give anything. They're begging him. Whoa. That should be kind of news to us as we go through it. Big deal. There's no law here. I know we had one of our elders for many years. He was so sad at missions. All it is, people always constantly, I get 20 asks a week for people who want money from me. And it made him cynical. Because, because what people want, they didn't really want his prayers. Oh yeah, pray for me, but what I really want is your money. And he gets kind of, what do people want for their things, Right? 
So this is important. If you're feeling squeezed or manipulated or somehow guilted, I want you to see there's no command. There's, there's no law, even with, with the tithing arguments or strained arguments to try and apply in a New Testament context. They're saying, wow, they gave so much then. Well, you shouldn't you give more. Yeah, the reality is God owns everything of you. He owns you. And he's doing what he wants with you. It's amazing. What happens in your heart, I'm not saying don't give. I'm saying you're not required. Okay, so the same time, you might want to give of what God's blessed you with. And as you look at the cross, you might desire to give. Not arm twisted, not, you're actually pressing to say, how, how, can I, how can I give my money? How can I give my time? How can I, how can I be involved? I want, I want to be involved in this amazing, amazing thing called Christian living. Okay, now we're talking. So we're going to look at chapter 8 this week through that lens. Chapter 9 next week through that lens. This is Paul sort of talking to this church. By the way, a church he's been really mad at. They haven't been doing it right. But he's partnering with them. Okay, so graceful giving. We're going to start with sort of this grace given with the beginning of chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. I'll put it on the screen. Walk through in your Bibles with it if you'd like. Here we go. So, we want you to know, Paul writes, brothers, he means brothers and sisters, right? About the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. So, so stop with me for a minute. Because we've been talking, even last week we talked about this kind of surprising. Paul's like, I've been so blessed by you guys. Like I've seen the Holy Spirit at work. And he means their grief. Like their grief and their repentance is like, wow, it's evidence to you. And it's, it's a sweetness to me that, that the Holy Spirit's at work in you. And now he like shifts. Well, I, I want you to know about the grace of God that's been given these other churches Kind of interesting. What do you think when you hear the grace of God is given to some other churches? What do you, what do you think he means? Uh, you know, grace and gift are very close in the Greek. Oftentimes they're interchangeable. And throughout this passage, the word is grace. Even when you see act of grace or gift, the word that's being put there is grace. So these churches in, in Macedonia, who, who are they? Well, the one you've heard of. There's Berea and there's a couple others, but the one you've heard of, we read this morning in our scripture reading, is Philippi. The Philippian church was in Macedonia. They're the one that you kind of think of, well, in the church that the Philippians are given this amazing grace. You say, well, what rained down from heaven for them? What cool thing happened in their life, the grace of God given? What is it? Well, here it is. For in a severe test of affliction... Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Okay, unpack this with me for a moment because it's very striking and unusual. It's so striking, usually when I read it, I just, okay, whatever, let's go on. But think about what Paul's actually saying here. He's saying in the midst of real affliction in their environment, in the the midst of their joy in Christ, at the same time their extreme poverty, the graces they overwhelmed, overwhelmed, overflowed over in in generosity. (laughs) Those things don't normally go together. In affliction, abundance of joy. 
No, no, when I have affliction, there's an abundance of worry. There's an abundance not of joy, but of like bummerness, sadness. So why? What happens? When in affliction, all of a sudden you find in your heart joy, like, oh my goodness, affliction happens, but I'm still joyful. What's that called? That's called a fruit of the Spirit, right? Are you with me? Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Oh, wow, you know, in affliction, they have joy. They're like, whoa, it's the grace of God to them that the Spirit is producing in the midst of affliction that should cause sadness because that's normal and worldly. Instead, they're going like, wow, praise Jesus. We have our eyes fixed on the cross, and, and then we know we're, we're in the sufferings of Christ. And then at the same time, he says, this other piece too, right? Extreme poverty, leading to a wealth of generosity. Okay, those don't go together. If they had a lot, then they'd be extremely generous. But now they've got nothing. If, if, if you have extreme poverty, usually what that means is, is they're asking for help. Now, sometimes somehow they're giving. It's upside down. The Holy Spirit's at work, you see. Looking at other people not themselves. There's no command there. There's no law. He's saying it's a grace. That means a gift. God has gifted these people with a heart that looks a certain way. And what is that called? It's about the Holy Spirit. Our hope is always in the Holy Spirit moving. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? I believe I'm sealed with the Spirit as a guarantee when I come to Christ. I believe by the Holy Spirit that's in me. I believe he's in you too. It makes me see you differently. My hope always is that the Holy Spirit's going to move. That was Paul's hope, and the Holy Spirit moved and brought the church to grief, and he's super comforted. And now he says, and I want to tell you about another grace, this amazing gift where the, the, the God graced this church over here, the Philippian church, because in the midst of just being wailed on, they're joyful. Fruit of the Spirit, in the midst of being Extreme poverty. They're, they've got this generosity coming out. It's not them. It's radically cool. That's Paul's testimony. It's not a law. It's just happening. That's his testimony because that's what he says. Verse 3, for they gave according to their means. I can testify. And beyond their means of their own accord. Yeah. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. You know, this just doesn't sound like to me. It doesn't sound like the Christian TV station where the guy's up there saying, man, God will be so happy if you give, give, give. What does it look like? It looks like the opposite, right? It's like they're going to Paul, begging him, can I please be a part of this? I really want to help over here. My heart has been prompted to get over here and be a part of this. That's what it is, right? Begging earnestly for the favor taking part in the youth of the saints. What he's talking about, by the way, isn't the local homeless shelter. Those are good works and we should help that. He's talking about Paul and the Philippian church and now he's going to have the Corinthian church here too, helping with the church in Jerusalem who is so poor and struggling that they're starving. It's where Jesus Christ was crucified, you know, Jerusalem. And the saints there particularly are so poor and so downbeaten that, that, that the Philippian church is like, we want to give to him even though we don't have much. And, and, and Paul's like, that's, that's what he's collecting for. That's what's going to happen. This is important. Why? Because Paul isn't stopping the music concert, right, to twist their arms to help children in Africa. 
He's not putting signs in the bathroom saying, give, give, give. He's not demanding that they help if only you were a better Christian. No. They're being prompted to say, I have this passion. Can I help? They're begging him of their own accord. It's coming from them, not to them. Paul didn't expect it. He said that, right? And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. You know what? So much of money stuff in the church isn't by the will of God. It's by the will of man. I've got a dream. I'm going to make it happen. And then they try to twist your arm to make something happen. This is the will of God. And what is God doing? Prompting hearts. Because who gets to prompt hearts? God does. Fabulous. There's grace. The grace, the gift, is an others-focused generosity that welled up in their hearts. Have you had that? I have at times. I bet you have too. The Holy Spirit moves. You don't fake this. This is not fake it till you make it. You have it by the Spirit, and they did. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. A heart that's overwhelmed by what, they, by, by, by what you have, even when, when you don't have much, or when you have a lot. This is amazing and good, says Paul, and I just testify that it's happening, and I want to include you, he says to the Corinthian church. Accordingly, maybe, Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he has started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. Again, act of grace, act isn't even in the text. This grace, this grace of God, the Holy Spirit's moving. I have affirmation of it because look what he did in the hearts of the Philippians. And and so I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it to you. So as you started, complete upon you among this grace. Well, what's the grace? Hearts want to be generous to the church in Jerusalem. That's what he's talking about specifically. And we're looking at it going, wow, this is the movement of the spirit. This is how I think about giving. And, and why does he say complete? Because they were there. He has prior information about them that we, we don't have. He knows they had this eagerness, like the church at Philippi. They talked about it, how eager they were. We're going to see more about that later because he's going to bring it up again. But, but then something happened. What happened? They went off the deep end. These guys were like, oh, I want to give to the church. But in the midst of it, all this stuff was going on in the church. Paul had to write angry letters, and they, they got mad at Paul, and they were undermining Paul and, and, and all these things. So Paul's like, well, maybe they don't want to give anymore because they're mad at me. And you say, I'm being very bold. You, you want to complete. And so I sent Titus so he could complete among you this grace because the grace is cool, not because you have to do it. That's where he's going, right? They aren't under law to do it. I'm picking it up. We're under the gospel. But as you excel in everything, verse 7, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in your love, our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace, in this grace act isn't there. Also, he looks at him, right? He says you excel in faith. What's that? Trusting Jesus. You excel in speech. What's that? Proclaiming the good news. You excel in knowledge. That's knowing that you're dead and hopeless, but you have the light of life and the gift of Christ for you. In all earnestness, saying, yes, this is my life, the gospel. And knowing that Paul loves them too. You know all this. 
He's not saying, right? Because he can't. It's not important. As you excel in morality, as you excel in doing all the right stuff, as you excel in sin avoidance, that'd be a joke. They haven't. But he's saying, you're excelling in grace. I know what forgiveness is. I've tasted the wonder, have you? That I who deserve nothing, oh, you think I'm joking, but I'm not. That Jesus died for me. God died on a cross for me. I've tasted that amazing grace. And because of that, I believe with all my heart that the Holy Spirit has me and he gives me desires. And as I have desires, I flow with them because Jesus Christ is at work in me through the Spirit. And he's at work in you. This is what's going on. Church to church giving, they beg to be part of it. And Paul's like, that's amazing. Jump in. Because of the gospel, not because you have to, this is what the gospel does. It's the gospel applied. That's how we see it. So let's start looking as he keeps going because he is so clear. You cannot get clearer that this is not commanded. I say this not as a command. There it is. (laughs) I say it not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. It's so amazing. He says, I don't command giving, but here's a reason to give. It's a testimony to your own heart. It's not a testimony to me, says Paul. I'm not commanding you. It's really helpful to yourself. The earnestness of others is the spirit moving in Philippi because they heard word that the Philippian church was excited. They got excited too. It's contagious. He says, I've got this contagion going on of the spirit. How amazing. Because it's otherworldly that you would say, oh, I don't have much, or you have a lot. So I'm going to give some money away, earn money. Not so other people say how awesome you are. I don't even know exactly what's going to happen in the church in Jerusalem. But I know steadfast, trusty people are taking it. And, and, and it's a testimony to me that my heart is loosened around this stuff. Amazing. This is the gospel. No command, but the spirit working through you. Grace to give, because that's what Jesus did. That's how he showed grace. It's about Jesus. That's what Paul says. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. What a cool picture, right? Jesus had everything. He's the prince of heaven. He was the richest of any rich being you could imagine. He holds the whole world together and he became a person and was beaten and had nothing. He was homeless, didn't have a place to lay his head, went to the cross and died and suffered for you and me. It's like, wow, that literally is him becoming nothing so that we might become everything, children of God in him. What a cool picture, right? His suffering and giving up everything so you and I become sons and daughters of God. Let it sink in, right? That's the good news. This has nothing to do with any requirement to give. But if it's true, if you are touched and believe it, your heart may start to tell you, 
my heart does, what an amazing path. I so want to participate in it. That's the truth I want to show. Paul says too for them, really, in this matter, I give my judgment. Like this is how I see it. Paul says, this benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also desire to do it. See, I didn't see you just like putting forth like, oh, we need to show a good work. You said, no, I desire this. Dax, Paul, dude, we want to be involved in this. You told me that, Paul says to them. And now it's time to kind of circle around because I think you're still there. That's pretty, pretty amazing. That express interest. Now Paul was saying, in my opinion, come on, jump in. And so now finish doing it as well so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For the readiness is there, if it is, is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he doesn't have. So here's the gospel applied. Please see it. The gospel is a gift to you. Stop. It's not a gift with strings. There are no strings. You receive this from God. He died for you and loves you. You receive it with your arms open and and you're done. And Paul says, hey, I've got an opportunity. Look at Christ. Then he says, if the readiness is there, that's this incredible, important phrase. If the spirit is working, if it isn't, don't fake it. Don't do it. Hey, that's really important. People skip it, man. You see how awesome Jesus is, therefore do this. No, if your heart is prompted by the Holy Spirit, if it's your desires, I want this. And if that readiness is there, it's acceptable for you to go forward, Paul says, according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. Don't be foolish. Don't give what you don't have. Jesus gave what he had, you know, you may not have. That's what he's saying, right? Speaks to the huge variety of ways you can give if you want to. You can find a way, you know. Here it is about a church giving help to the church of Jerusalem. The spirits at work, they desire it from God and then they act. And in lots of ways the spirit can move and give you desires. You could sit with someone at the nursing home. That's a gift of your time. You could stop work early and go to walk with your kid at Boulevard Park. That's their joy and not your joy necessarily. But you desire it, right? You, you, you could show up on someone's doorstep with cookies. You could write a note encouraging someone. You can, you can use the resources you have to bless God's family, the church. While I was looking over the sermon this morning, someone snuck in and put a big thing of cookies on Nathan's desk. I won't say who it is. They do it all the time. It's for the youth group tonight. There are people who like just, just juiced, right? People bring vegetables for anybody to have. That's the spirit giving them the desire to share with, with other people. It's fabulous. Is it required? No. None of it. It's not even the goal, you know. Jesus Christ accomplished the goal. We say it with tetelestai. I taught you that word. It is finished. Is it finished? Yes. Do I have to do more? No. Might you want to? Of course. 
The Holy Spirit's going to move you to bless a ton of things. You're not going to see most of it, even as what we think in this place. You're not even going to see the ways in which you're blessing people because our eyes are so bad and our hearts are so twisted. We start doing stuff and we do it for our own reasons and that's not even the good work. But I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit does move and there's opportunities and you can say, man, I want to be involved in that. Then you do it. If it doesn't touch you, guess what? You don't have to. That's so important in a society and even in a church culture that pulls at you to do stuff sometimes for the wrong motives. Don't go there. It's okay. The Holy Spirit gets done what he wants. God is not, God cannot be hindered by you. And that's something that's kind of important. God's not going to be stopped by your laziness. God's not going to be somehow put off because your power is not strong enough or your giving is not high enough. God's not stopped. We don't know what he... He may want our church to close next week. He doesn't. I don't think so. That's our best understanding. He could strike me dead. A couple years ago, I thought he was trying to. He wasn't. We go through seasons. Different things happen. It's just really important for you. Around this issue, you're free. You're free for the Holy Spirit. And, and if the, you, it's not there, don't do it. You're not judged. You will be used. You are used. This is so important. The, um, there's no I should or I need to because that transitions too quickly in people's heart to I must or else I'll be looked down upon or I, I, there's something wrong. No, it's, it's not how it works. You get this amazing gospel. So only if your heart's engaged, the act itself gets you nothing. The joy is the joy of giving, of grace, not the joy of investing, of getting a return. Right? The church may never hear of how you use your resources. Even sometimes we're quiet around here about that kind of stuff. People give, some people give a lot and some people give a little. I don't even know. Nathan knows. He gets to know that stuff. I don't get to know. But I know this. It's as people's hearts are prompted because we're not poking people. Saying, man, I want to be involved. Look at this. This is from Ephesians. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. That's such a cool phrase, isn't it? Because he's not talking about salvation. He's talking about the gift of each of us having abilities by the Spirit to bless and then actually doing it. Some is by giving money, some is by giving time, some is by uh, all sorts of different things that you get a thousand ways. And again, some of it you don't even know, but you've been graced in this life with blessing other people and we'll see the network of it when we're in heaven. We'll say, Lord, I didn't do anything. Hey, you know when you gave that cup of water? Remember that passage in Matthew? It's true. Okay, so uh, gospel applied. This is about us actually having been saved and it's a gift of God in Christ and it's nothing else we have to do. And so anything the Holy Spirit prompts is a fruit of his moving you. Fabulous. Okay, there's a few pitfalls. Let's finish out the chapter quickly as we think through a few pitfalls to avoid. Okay, this is what's going on again, church to church giving, but there are some pitfalls where I don't know. Paul brings them up. Let's look at them. Verse 13. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need. 
that there may be fairness. Okay, here's Paul making sure they don't go sideways. Because it's really easy. First, about the mindset. You know, you're not giving from what you have so that, that you'll be poor and someone else will be rich. Because you could say that. I don't want to be like Jesus. He was rich and he became poor. So that's, that's our goal. Let's see who can be the poorest. No, 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 Paul says. Actually, we've all received that gift from Christ and we're not Jesus. We're looking at him. It isn't better for you to be burdened. It's not a race to see who can be the most poor person. Sometimes it feels like people brag about how little they have. That's a pitfall, Paul says. Don't do it. No, Paul says the gospel is that we, the church, are God's family, taken care of by God. That's amazing. This includes some of us having more than others. That's kind of self-evident, but I guess i got to say it. Some of us are being given more than others in terms of material blessing. And one of the one of the reasons God does this is so that you can give. I, I, I believe this isn't only money, but it's easiest to see with money, with resources. If you have a lot, what a cool and amazing thing to bless someone who doesn't. As your heart is prompted, making some sort of God really loves me because he's given me tons more is as dumb as saying God really loves me because I'm poor. None of that has to do with God loving you, right? So Paul says, you know, equality, try and make this money, this stuff, less of an issue. It's not a call to bless somebody when you have nothing. The truth of it is we're all adored by God and Paul brings up how God cares for all his people in Exodus because he gives them this line, as it is written, whoever gathered... Much had nothing left over. Whoever gathered little had no lack. What is he talking about? He's talking about manna. Remember how it fell from him? We did Exodus and, and how God provided manna that fell from the sky. And it was a gift of God. Everybody had this gift. And some people gathered a ton of it. And some people just gathered a little. But they all had enough. That's life as a Christian. We have enough. Why? Because Jesus Christ is enough. That's it, right? Very gospelly, counterintuitive, anti-world, anti-law. The other pitfall Paul addresses is that really everyone's a sinner. So care with your resources is totally okay. Look how he handles it. This is a letter. Thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. Well, that's Titus Going, well, what does this have to do with anything? Well, for he not only accepted our appeal, but he being himself very earnest, he's going to you of his own accord. I'm not making Titus go. He isn't a hired hand. His job's not to make you give. He's about Jesus, and he's not asking for money for himself. Things are in order, Paul says. That's important. With him, we're sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he's been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our good will. Wow, they even brought somebody else with him. You know, it's not just Titus with the money bags. It's somebody else. And you know the guy, he's awesome. Who is it? We don't know. Some people think it might be Luke. This is a letter. This is actually what they did. It's not us exactly. But he, Paul is making sure, at least you see in the letter, he's concerned and thoughtful about you guys. We're going to take good care of the resources, and I have leaders appointed to make sure that it goes rightly. You don't just say, well, I'm going to give, and, and, and boy, wherever it falls. 
No, there's an order. And that's okay. That's not wrong. Okay, we take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that's being administered by us, for we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. We want things to be in order, above board. Just because it's about the gospel and your hearts doesn't mean you can't make sure things aren't done correctly because people are sinners. I know that. I hope you do too. You look in the mirror. Huge pitfalls about resources and money and it being misused and never wrong to make sure it's handled rightly. You can do that at this church for sure. Just open your mouth and ask. We'll show you where it goes and the elders oversee stuff. That's in order, right? And doesn't take away from the spontaneity and the wonder of responding to Christ in giving. Yeah, he's talking about the church, trusting their leadership to handle resources, trusting his guys. They need to be trustworthy. And with them, we're sending our brother whom we've often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. Again, we have no idea who this person is. It doesn't matter. It's, it's him saying we're taking care. As for Titus, he is my fellow partner and worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches to the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and our boasting about you to these men. He's like, hey, I commend these folks to you. That, that's what he's saying. I really like you guys, says Paul. I want you to show this incredible gospel-loving people the same heart I've seen. Fabulous. That's the end of the chapter. So here's the takeaway today for you, for me. There's a struggle, you know. I don't know if you've heard it before. Money makes the world go round. There's a story that went around um, in the university I got to go to. Um, it was, there's, a, there's a lake. It's a three-mile-long lake. And it's only about 25 yards wide. And it was made specifically so that rowers could row on the lake for Princeton. Andrew Carnegie made the lake. It's called Lake Carnegie. He did it because he wanted rowing. And it worked. I rode at Princeton. People asked him, hey, how much money is enough? You've heard that, right? What's the answer? Just a little bit more. That's where the world takes us all the time. That's why this is hard. The shocking truth of Christianity is it is not true of us. When Peter and John were approached by a beggar in Acts, remember the scene, right? We made it into a song. They, he wants money, and he says, well, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give. What does he give them? Get up and walk. We've got such better news. And it's never, see, Peter and John might have had a couple. Who knows what they actually had in their pockets? Maybe they had a, a nickel. Well, all I have, I'll give you. I'll give you my nickel. I do that some of the church. Someone says, fine, can I have a cup of coffee? I take out my wallet. If it has a dollar in it, they get it. Is that the good news? No. We got better news than you could ever imagine. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and died for you and rose from the dead, and you can live forever. All your sins forgiven for all the badness you've ever done covered. We've got the best news ever. And you want to make it about 10 bucks? 
Sometimes you say, yeah, sure, my heart gets touched and I do it. And sometimes I say, no, silver and gold have I none, but I've got the best news you'll ever have. Well, I don't want that news. I don't care. It's still the best news you'll ever know. Maybe someday your heart will get stricken by the Holy Spirit and you'll realize, oh my, it's true. And sometimes the Holy Spirit uses the dollar to do it too. Amen. What I have is a God who cares for me, and sometimes that's an abundance, sometimes it's an affliction. It's always steadily there. And as the Spirit softens my heart and softens your heart in this life, I want to help other people. Sometimes it'll take money. Fabulous. You will want to. Don't listen to the person guilting you and telling you that it's half. No, it's not half to. But you know what? You might want to, and it'll be amazing. There are opportunities that come. It may be that that's your heart swells and the beauty of Christ for you. The grace is the life that is given, and it is given without return. As your heart is touched, give. But by definition, it's not required or it's not a gift. There is no tax. There is no law. There is no command. There is no must. There is no guilt. There is no shame. There is this, Jesus Christ for you. And as that softens your heart, yeah, go ahead. Give everything away. This is part one. I hope you start to see the framework that Paul talks about giving, how important it is, and how it frees you, and how there's not any shame in how you're living today. There's the forgiveness of Christ as he repents us all the time and brings us back to the cross, that it's about his finished work. And as we stay there, amazing things happen. And I'll give you a couple examples, and we'll look at the rest of Paul's treatise on giving next week. But boy, I want you to hear from my lips today. This is the promise. He paid it all for you. Jesus Christ for you. Would you receive him today? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this passage and the wonder of, of how you soften our hearts and how your spirit works on us. Lord, I pray and I, I know, I know there are many in this room the spirit has worked on who give so much. I'm so grateful for that, Lord. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be at work Lord, that you would protect our church family from this world that wants to have our identity in money or judge based on how much we give. Lord, that we might just joyfully be around your cross. Thank you for what you've done for us more than we could ever, ever even think about repaying. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.